I want to just kind of tag on to what I started talking to you about last week. Because I shared with you that I feel like in my heart that what the Lord wants us to do is He wants us to move forward, but He wants us to move forward together. And I identified four areas last week that I feel like God is calling us to move forward together in. One of those areas was worship, and I talked to you about worship last week, and I'm going to talk to you more about worship this morning, about how important it is that we come together to connect with a living God, to encounter God, because if we don't, we're just wasting our time. And then another area that I identified that we need to move forward together in is in growth, spiritual growth. So we're going to worship together, we're going to grow together, and the goal of our growth is to become disciples of Christ who are conformed to the image of Christ. And then we're also going to move forward together in service. We're going to serve one another with love. With love. And then we're going to reach together. We're going to reach our world. See, God has given each of us specifically a piece of this world. I don't know what your world is that you connect with on a daily basis, but God wants us together to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to just continue to talk to you a little bit more on the subject of worship. Last week, I talked to you about why is it so important for us to worship. We recognized that the answer to that was worship is important because worship brings us into the presence of God. You cannot get into God's presence apart from worship. So when we worship, we come into His presence. And then it's what happens when we get into His presence that's important. Because in His presence, as we talked about last week, He speaks to us. I believe every time we come together, Summit and Church of God, God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us corporately and He wants to speak to us individually. And He does that in His presence. And then a second thing that He does in His presence is He changes us. He changes our perspective on things in His presence. And then he also changes us. He changes our hearts. He changes our attitudes. And just as I shared with you last week, over the 30-some plus years of full-time ministry, I've never changed one person. I've gotten frustrated trying to change people. But I can't change people. But if I can lead people into the presence of God, in His presence we will be changed. You know, God so wanted to meet with us that even in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, He spoke through Moses and had the people to bring materials to construct Himself a sanctuary. And in Exodus 25, 22, He said, because there, He said, I'm going to meet with them and, and speak with them. He had them to prepare a place where he could meet 
with them, speak with them, and change them. Jesus said this in Revelation 3 and 20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now, I know that we hear that passage of Scripture a lot during invitation time when we're inviting people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we say, He's knocking on the door of your heart. If you will open, He will come in and save you. But when Jesus spoke these words, He was not speaking to unbelievers. He was speaking to the church. And He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. In other words, Jesus is knocking and saying, Hey, I want to meet with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a conversation with you. And you remember last week, I said he doesn't want to just talk to us. He wants to speak with us. He wants to have dialogue, conversation, him talking to us and us talking to him. Paul reminds us in 1st or 2nd Corinthians 6 and 16, and guys, you may need to help me up there this morning. It seems to be wanting to revert back to the beginning of the presentation. So if you can help me this morning. But in 2nd Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, the apostle Paul says, For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. In other words, Paul reminds us that we are now the temple of the living God. That we are God's house. That God dwells in us. So that at any moment... God can speak to us. It's as if the voice of God lives on the inside of you as a child of God to guide you into all truth, to guide us into all truth, and to change us from glory to glory. So last week we talked about why worship is so important. It gets us into the presence of God where He speaks to us and changes us. This morning I want to talk to you about what's so important about expressing our worship to God. And we're going to look at six different ways in Scripture that we express ourselves in worship. But before we do that, I want to give you the top five reasons why we should worship even when we don't feel like worshiping. Is that all right? Can I do that with you this morning? The top five reasons why we should worship even when we don't feel like worship. And number five is this. We worship even when we don't feel like worshiping because we worship by faith. I don't wait for my circumstances to change before I decide to worship God because I know that my worship plays a part in my circumstances changing. So if I wait until my circumstances change to worship, I'll never worship. Worship is by faith. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. Number four reason why we should worship, even when we don't feel like it, is that feelings shouldn't dictate our actions, principles should. I don't worship because I feel like it. 
I heard one guy say one time, there are really only two times it's appropriate to worship God. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. So we don't worship our feelings. Our feelings mislead us. Our feelings deceive us. A third reason why we worship even when we don't feel like it is because praise is a command in Scripture. When you read Scripture and it says, clap your hands all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. In the original language, it's in the imperative, which means it's not a suggestion, it's a command. So I praise even when I don't feel like it because praise is a command. Here's the number two reason why we should worship even when we don't feel like it. And that's because when we worship, it's being true to who we really are. See, I hear a lot of people say something like this. Well, I don't want to come to church and be a hypocrite and act like everything's going great in my life when it's not. I I don't want to come to church and act like a hypocrite and worship when I don't feel like worshiping. Let me me just remind you what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is when you are not being who you really are. So really we are being hypocritical when we do not worship. Because as believers, we are worshipers of the living God. And when we worship, we are being true to who we really are. And then the number one reason why we should worship, even when we don't feel like it, is because He is worthy. Amen. How many of you know that God is worthy this morning? Even when I don't feel like it, he's still worthy. So let me share with you this morning about why we express ourselves the way we do in worship. And and let me just say this. We don't worship the way we do because of our Pentecostal charismatic dogma. But we worship the way we do because of biblical doctrine. Now what's the difference between dogma and doctrine? Well, dogma is an opinion that has been established over a long period of time. It's very similar to tradition. Doctrine is beliefs that are based upon God's Word. Teachings that are based upon the Bible, the Word of God. So we don't lift our hands because tradition tells us to lift our hands. No, we lift our hands because the Bible tells us. It's scriptural for us to lift our hands. It's scriptural for us to worship. So I just want to share with you this morning six ways, and we're going to have to move fairly quickly, but I want to share with you this morning six ways that we can biblically express ourselves in worship because not only do we worship we need to know why we worship the way we worship and one of the ways that the Bible talks about and expresses worship is through clapping clapping in Nahum's book Nahum chapter 3 the Lord gives a prophetic word to Nahum about the destruction and the fall of Nineveh and its king. Nineveh was merciless. Nineveh was ruthless, as was its king. And so the Lord speaks through the prophet Nahum about its fall and about its destruction along with its king. And the response of the people when they heard the prophecy was this. He said, your injury has no healing, talking about how destructive the Ninevites 
and the king was. Your injury has no healing. Your wound is severe. All who hear news of you will clap their hands. That is, those who hear news of your fall. Those who hear news of your destruction. They will clap their hands over you. For upon whom is not your wickedness passed continually? So when they clapped, they clapped because God gave them victory over their enemies. Look at what the word of the Lord says in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 47 verse 1. says, oh clap your hands all you people. And then it goes on to say, shout to God with the voice of triumph. Now why is he instructing them to express themselves in worship by clapping their hands? He goes on and says, because God is great and he has triumphed over your enemies. So it's an expression of joy over the greatness of God and over God triumphing over our enemies. There's another passage of scripture here in Psalm 98 verse 8. Where even nature gets involved in this worship thing. Because this is where they respond to the arrival of the king. It's prophetic. Speaking of Jesus who comes to judge and to set everything right. To put everything back in order. And they said that when you see the arrival of the king, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. So we see that clapping is an expression of joy because God has defeated our enemies. It's an expression of joy because God is great and has triumphed. It's an expression of joy because the King is coming. Amen. And then notice another passage of Scripture. Here in, go, let's go to that next passage of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 12, this is in reference to the children of Israel and God redeeming them from Babylonian captivity and that God would do such wonderful, glorious, marvelous things for them that even nature would begin to rejoice. And he says it like this. He said, for you, the children of Israel, you shall go out with joy and you shall be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth in the singing before you, and all of the trees shall clap their hands. Amen. You see, when we clap our hands, if you've ever wondered why in a Pentecostal charismatic church we clap our hands, we clap our hands because we're expressing our joy over how great our God is, how God has triumphed over our enemies, how God is coming to set everything straight, how God has redeemed us and brought us out of captivity and brought us into a place of blessing. Somebody ought to just clap your hands right now for what God has done. Amen. But another biblical way that the Bible instructs us to express our praise is through shouting. Shouting. It is a bursting forth in noisy exuberance. I think I'll define that one more time. A bursting forth 
in noisy exuberance. Now, I know when I preach a message like this, I know there's some people that are saying, well, Pastor, I appreciate this, but you just got to understand, I'm just not a very expressive person. Well, we're going to hold you to that Saturday. Isn't that the big game this Saturday? The big game? I've been gone for so long, I don't know, but I think it's this weekend. So, so we're going to hold you to that. And then, and then some people would say, but Pastor, you know, I, I just worship the Lord in my heart, in my heart. And that's great. We should worship the Lord in our heart. But the last time I checked, we are three-part beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. And most theologians believe that our spirit is the heart of man. But Jesus said that when you worship God, that we are to worship Him with our spirit, our soul, and our strength. In other words, He wants the whole person engaged in worship so that, yes, we worship Him in our heart and from our heart because worship is us expressing our love, our adoration, our admiration of who God is and what God has done. So yes, we want to worship with our heart and from our heart, but we also need to engage our mind, our will, our emotions. And listen to me, even our physical bodies in the act of worship. It's okay. Psalm 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. So shouting as well as an expression of joy for God helping us to triumph over our adversity. I love this passage in Galatians 4.27. It's actually Paul quoting a scripture from Isaiah. And he says, rejoice, O barren. He's talking about the nation of Israel when they were in captivity and they were not being fruitful. And he says, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now let me tell you what God is saying here. You remember that I shared with you at the beginning of the message today that worship is an expression of faith. That we worship by faith. Now notice when Paul here, quoting Isaiah, says we are to worship. He says, rejoice, O barren. Don't wait until you are fruitful to rejoice. Don't wait until you are giving birth to rejoice. He said, rejoice even in your barren state, you who do not bear. And then he said, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. Listen, is there an area of barrenness in your life today? If so, what you need to do is you need to begin to worship and you need to begin to praise by faith even though you don't feel like it. Even though you may not see anything happening right now, rejoice, O barren. Shout those of you who are not in labor and God will make you fruitful. Hallelujah. Somebody shout to God this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Then he goes on the third way that the Bible express, shows that we can express our praise and our worship is singing. Now, we don't have such a hard time with this one because so many of us love to sing. Psalm 95 and 1 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. 
to the rock of our salvation. One chapter over, Psalm 96 and 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Hebrews chapter 2, verses, or verse 12 says, I will declare your name to my brethren. And notice what he says, In the midst of the assembly, in the congregation, when we come together, he said, In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. So is it biblical for us to sing? Absolutely. Is it biblical for us to sing when we come together corporately? Absolutely. Numbers chapter 21. I love this passage of scripture. This is where the, the, the nation of Israel is still wandering in the wilderness, going from place to place. And it says that they went from one place to another place called Be'er. Be'er. It's important you pronounce that right. Be'er. Which which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, and I'll show you why in a minute you need to make sure you're pronouncing it right, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song. Look at this song. Spring up, O well. All of you sing it. Now remember, worship is an act of faith. When they came to Be'er, Be'er was a dry well. Not a well that was producing any water. It was a dry well. And so what did he tell them to do by faith? He said, by faith, you start singing to that dry well, and that dry well will spring forth with water. Maybe there's a dry area of your life today. What you need to do is you need to start singing over that area of your life. You need to start, some of you need to sing over your business today. Some of you need to sing over your marriage today. Some of you need to sing over your finances today. He said, sing, spring up, oh well. Even if you have to do it by faith and God will give you your answer. God will give you your supply. Now don't leave here saying, Pastor told me that there is a well in the Bible called beer. And that if I'll sing over that well, that I'll have a continuous, unending supply of beer. No, be air. Sing, spring up, oh well. I believe as you begin to sing over those dry, barren areas of your life that God is about to burst forth in your life. God is about to burst forth with blessing over you. Oh, hallelujah. I received that for myself this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20. You'll just have to bear with me. I've not preached long since I've been here. Give me just a few extra minutes this morning. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat has three nations that have formed an alliance and come against him, and he doesn't know what to do. And he begins to pray, and he begins to seek God, and God gives him a strategy where he says, I want you to take the singers, and I want you to put the singers out on the front lines, and when you go against the enemy, I want you to tell them to sing, give thanks to the Lord, for his love in 
endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And when they began to sing those armies that had formed an alliance against Jehoshaphat, they began to turn on one another and kill one another so that when the nation of Israel got to where their enemy was, they found them dead and all they had to do was gather up the spoils and the Bible said that they gathered vast amounts of equipment, vast amounts of clothing and other valuables and I love this right here, it says more than they could carry. Oh, I like that. How many of you would like it if God just blessed you so much that it would be more than you could carry, more than you could bear? And that day it said they went into the Valley of Blessing, which was named that because that day in that place they praised God for delivering them from their enemies and they went back into Jerusalem with joy. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. You may have to muster up a praise by faith today or a worship by faith today, but God hears your cry and God will come to your rescue. Come on, let's just give him another good praise. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I'm setting somebody free in this house this morning. Free to praise like you haven't been able to praise God in a long, long time. Hallelujah. Another way the Bible says that we can express our worship is through bowing and kneeling. And I'm going to have to rush through these next few. Bowing and kneeling. Psalm 95 and 6 says, Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. What's the difference in bowing and kneeling? Bowing expresses submission. I'm submitting to the person I'm bowing to. Kneeling represents honor. And I'm giving honor to the person that I'm bowing to. Look in Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. This is where the wise men came to where Jesus was born. And it said that when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And look at what they did. They fell down and worshipped him. Do you think that was appropriate for them to worship toward that toddler? Absolutely. It said that they fell down, which implies that they both bowed and they kneeled down. Why? Because they were submitting themselves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they were giving honor to him. That's exactly what Satan tried to get Jesus to do in Matthew chapter, or in Matthew chapter 4. This is when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy. And you remember that the devil came to him and said, all these things I will give you. Put him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said, all of these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. In other words, the way that I want you to express your worship to me, Jesus, is I want you to submit your life to me and give honor to me. And of course, Jesus looked at him and said, I'm worshiping God and him only. Shall I worship? And then another way that we can express ourselves in worship is through the lifting of our hands. If I were to ask you this morning, because of what this represents culturally, if I were to ask you what lifting our hands represents, most of you are going to say it represents surrender. Surrender. And culturally, that's what it means, but biblically, that's not what lifting our hands means. Not that there's anything wrong with lifting your hands and surrender to God. I, I talked to one guy one time, and he said, well, Pastor, I just don't know what it is, but I just can't lift my hands when it's worship time. I just can't lift my hands. And I told him, I said, well, I hope you don't ever get held up. Because you're going to get shot. And isn't it sad that some folks, the only way they can get their hands up is to put a gun to them. 
So there's nothing wrong with that being symbolic of surrender. But let me tell you what the lifting of the hands represents in Scripture. It represents blessing. That you are blessing those that you're lifting your hands towards. Psalm 63 and 4. David said thus, I will bless you while I live. Listen, this is a moment that God has given us while we live. We need to be worshiping. While we live, we need to be blessing the Lord. And he said, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Another passage of scripture in Luke 24, 50. Jesus takes his disciples outside the city as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands. And what did he do? He blessed them. And then Psalm 134 verse 2 says it as clearly as it can be said. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Can we do that right now? Can we just lift up our hands and bless the Lord? Give Him praise. Give Him thanks. Show our gratitude for everything He's done for us. Lord, we bless You this morning. And Father, I bless these people today. May they be blessed coming in and blessed going out. May they be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, Lord. May they be the head and not the tail in Jesus' name. The blessing of Abraham, may it overtake them in Jesus' name. Amen. And then one final way that the Bible talks to us about how we express our worship. And I know I'm going to stir some folks up with this one. It's dancing. Dancing. It is scriptural. Psalm 149, 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Psalm 150, verse 4. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the flute. And the dance was always an expression of joy. Just like when the children of Israel crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground, they got to the other side and watched God annihilate their enemies. They began to dance before the Lord, expressing their joy for what He had done. Now I just want to close with one final scripture from Luke chapter 19 because why would I even just take the time to talk about this this morning other than just to give us understanding as to why we express ourselves the way we do. It's not because we're Pentecostal, not because we're charismatic. It's because we're biblical, scriptural. But in Luke chapter 19, this is the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem a week before he would be crucified. We know it as Palm Sunday. It says, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice when they saw him coming when they recognized the king is here they rejoiced they praised God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen and they said blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest but some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and said teacher rebuke your disciples but he answered them and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, that was their day, this is our day. 
And he goes on and he says, the things that make for your peace, he said, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, talking about when Jerusalem would be destroyed in 70 A.D. And he said, they'll level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Now look at this. He said, here's why this is going to happen. He said, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the time of your visitation. How does one know that we've recognized the time of his visitation? Worship. We worship him. We exalt Him, we glorify Him, we praise Him, we acknowledge He is here and He is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. Would you stand with me?